Um, you know, do you have a loud boom sound, you know, during the jump scare or do you let, you know, just the diegetic noise work or, you know, is it too cheap? Is it not cheap enough? <laughs> you know, there's just, there's so many, uh, there's so many del- like delicate balances there. Hello, hello, and welcome to Cat to Reveal. Today's episode is a fun one. My name is Peter, and I'm here with my co-host, Ricky. Ricky, how are you doing? What are we doing today? So today we are talking with Alex Vermillion, who edited uh, this short body horror movie called Appendage that is airing on Hulu, or got to air on Hulu, and has been accepted into Sundance. Um, it was a great interview. We laughed a lot. There was a twist in which we were talking about the relationship between him and the director, which we availed something that we did not expect, which was a nice surprise and very funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a great, it was great talking to Alex. One of those interviews where you just start getting into the groove of talking with somebody and you're like, this is really easy and we could talk with you for much longer. Definitely. We're going to revisit and probably, uh, interview him and the director. Yeah. <laughs> One day again, that would be fun. They're having some uh, cool stuff coming on. Uh, probably they will do a feature together. So mm-hmm. that's something that if they do, I'm pretty sure we'll have them on the show again. And by the yeah. way, the short uh, appendage is only five minutes long. So I encourage that everyone who listens to it, just, you know, uh, type in appendage short film in YouTube and have a look, have a watch because it's a yeah. good one. It's, it's a fun one, especially for creatives, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's really fun. We'll put a link in the description yeah. Uh, yeah, in the description, so you can look at it. So yeah, both on podcast uh, audio form and on YouTube, of course. Yeah. So without further ado, here's our interview with Alex Emilian. Let's roll, roll the, the tape. tape. <laughs> <laughs> really, really happy to have you here. Uh, so yeah. thank you for for you know thank for for spending you. time with us. Um, of course, thank you for having me. <laughs> And if you could give us uh, a bit context, uh, you know, about re- about your editing and filmmaking journey so far. I was born in Los Angeles, but I grew up in Las Vegas um, and, you know, just started doing film from a young age with like a Hyatt camera and, you know, messing around. I think I uh, didn't even know what film editing was. You was just like record and then, uh, you know, you record the the scene and then you pause it and then you do the next scene kind of thing. And um somewhere along the line i found out about sony vegas and got really into film editing from like a young age and like cgi and like computer animation and i was doing a lot of stuff with the video game counter-strike there was like a pretty big community of people doing skins online like custom skins and like that was like my passion and uh i from there you know i I moved back to los angeles for high school and and i was lucky enough that my my school had a film program and so i sort of learned a little bit about filmmaking and got to make uh, a couple movies in high school which was really cool you know like stuff on like dv camera but it was still you know it was taught by a former usc student who went to film school and so that was a, a really cool experience and working with my friends on that and um and then eventually I, I went to film school uh, in New York and studied, uh, I guess we didn't, you couldn't really have a concentration, but I was doing a lot of editing, a lot, a little bit of directing and writing and visual effects. Um, and then, yeah, right after school, 
kind of started doing a lot of corporate videos um, and music videos through through people that I just graduated with. A couple people got really into music video directing. I was trying to kind of get into music video directing and I ended up doing a lot of like live music videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then people that I graduated with were hiring me to do editing and visual effects. Like um, it was just sort of a niche that I found. I've always been really comfortable with computers and, you know, edit post-production is like my favorite part of of filmmaking. And so it kind of got started there. And then, um, yeah, I guess I, I started working with, um, a bunch of people I graduated with and other people out in LA. And I ended up meeting my wife, Anna, who was the director of appendage that that played at Sundance, Mm -hmm. um, through mutual cinematographer friend that I went to high school with and that he went to USC with Anna. And so he introduced us and Anna ended up hiring me to do visual effects on one of her movies. And, um, we've been collaborating ever since and obviously been together ever (laughs) since that was like six or seven or six years ago now. Um, but yeah, wow. I just, I do a lot of, um, <laughs> editing and visual effects now for the, and stuff like that, but we have like a, a cool little community out here in, in LA where we're all, uh, working together and it's, it's really nice. That's fantastic. I mean, we, cool. cause we were looking up and I was going through your IMDB and I was like, oh man, he's worked with Anna a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and then it turns yeah. out the twist, the twist is that you guys oh. are married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That certainly helps. It certainly helps. Before we, yeah, we were, you know, (laughs) this is a funny story, but when she first hired me to do visual effects on her short film, Shorty, I was like, shit, I really want to ask her out, but I don't, you know, she's a director. This is weird. Like, I'm just not going to even do that. And then I'm going to be a professional. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to be as professional as possible and, and really respect her and, and, and everything. And so, uh, I think after we wrapped the movie, she hit me up and was like, Hey, can you teach me visual effects? And I was like, Oh shit. Like, this is a great opportunity. And then I ended up actually, uh hiring her to edit a music or a live music video that I directed and then you know it just kept uh we just kept working together that's great which was cool what the story yeah what story? yeah yeah <laughs> it's cool it's cool and we have you know very similar tastes when it comes to like movies and music and all that stuff and so it's it's a really nice collaboration and you know, I can't say that it, any collaboration, you know, it always takes work and, and you mm-hmm. learn, um, you know, how to communicate better and all that fun stuff. But, you know, we, we do have a really, uh, we, we go together really well in our personal mm-hmm. lives and our, and our mm-hmm. professional mm-hmm. lives, which is really great. We can, we can yeah. see the, the appendage in the back. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know, for all of these, we've been trying to include the little appendage back there. Um, it's pretty cool. So there's like two of them. Um, I know that this is an audio podcast, so I don't know. This is the um... actually it's both, so it's a oh, okay, as well. cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is one of two appendages that were made for the movie. This one is like a hand puppet, so you could put your hand in mm-hmm. it and like mm-hmm. make the mouth move. And then there's another one that's robotic, and you can use like a remote control and control the eyes wow. blinking and the and the mouth moving all remotely. That's fantastic. Really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've heard that you uh, actually uh, enhanced the dead footage with eyeballs movement as well. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, because I do a lot of visual effects, um, yeah. I, I, I've been using, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like After Effects and the Roto mm -hmm. Brush and mm -hmm. all that fun yeah. stuff. But like the Roto Brush nowadays, it's like so fast. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy good. Um, it's amazing. And the accuracy is really good. So for every time the appendage showed up, I just rotoed the eyes out. Because mm -hmm. um, these eyes are great, but they look a little lifeless. Like, yeah. Um, you know, and so we uh, we took photos of the actual actress's eyes in uh, and then mapped them out in Photoshop and then had them uh, basically put onto like sphere 3D spheres inside mm -hmm. After Effects. And then you put like a null object to the sphere so you can have it look any way. And it was actually a lot simpler than I would have ever imagined, which is cool. And it's crazy that we can just do that. It all happened in this room. You know, it's just, a, you know, right at a personal computer it's like so crazy yeah um it gives it so much life you know it yeah, is. and it's it nice is. when with marrying the the practical effects with with like modern day visual effects is also fun because uh you know i feel like people either go one way or the other and it's it's a nice uh it's a yeah. nice balance i think yeah. But how about the baby appendage? Because I, I can't, I, I didn't see that puppet. So was it the puppet as well, or was it CGI? That that was a puppet. That was a puppet. I think the, the, puppet well. the special okay. the special effects house that we work with had already okay. made that for another movie, and then they kind of repurposed uh, it for mm. for our movie, which was cool. Um, but that one that one was like controlled. I don't understand physics, but it was somehow controlled. There was no electronics, but it was controlled with like strings. And mm. certain strings would like move certain parts of it, and uh, I don't know the people, the the puppeteers are like those guys are on like a whole other level. Or it's, it's Amber crazy. and, and uh, her partner Jim, and yeah, they just did such a good job. Crazy. But yeah, have you guys worked with have you guys worked with practical effects before? I mean, it's crazy. No, I no, not on worked, that level. Yeah, no, I, I worked on a, about four or five years ago. I worked on a, a low budget horror film in Colorado called Hoax. About uh, spoiler alert. Bigfoot, um, and uh, there was a bunch of uh, practical effects on that, including like somebody had actually created a Bigfoot suit um, that left a little to be desired, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was about it. And then, but you know, with like squibs and all that type of stuff, which was it was really interesting to be on set for that because that with that production, I was the assistant editor in the DT. Or DIT, and so I got to be on the set because initially they wanted the editor on the set, but he was doing other things. Um, so they pretty, basically put me there, and we were like up in like the boonies in Colorado, so you know, like half an hour away from any civilization, up a mountain <laughs> and whatever. So I was going up and running cards and whatnot. So you know, when you're just a DIT that's essentially just sitting in a cabin waiting for. Um, cards. I was like, I'm not going to sit here. I'm going to go up on set <laughs> and like watch what's happening. <laughs> see the action. Yeah. yeah, see the action. So there was um, a lot of that where fake blood and monster effects and whatnot. But I mean, it was nothing as animatronic as actually the the face of the the beast was animatronic. Nice. But <laughs> it wasn't. Um, I would say that yours. Your appendage is probably better than the effects <laughs> that they use with him. And even though it was like nice and like pretty awesome, like there was a lot of technology involved in it. Um, I don't think, it, unfortunately, it wasn't as effective as it could have been. But mm -hmm. that's the, the gamble that you pay when you're just like, 
what, we trust you that you're going to do it. <laughs> and then come back <laughs> with like a full thing and they're like, okay, I guess we're going to use this now. Yeah, it's it's tricky. It's tricky. Anna has worked with these guys. Uh, they're they're uh, Amber Marie is like the head uh, creature person that we worked with, and she's she's they've been working together for like ten years on different music videos and little mm-hmm. things like the the movie we did, uh, Sienna Bird, that I also produced. Um, it's about a, a woman who has trichotillomania, which is like a an OCD type of disorder where you like. Uh, might pick out your hair um, when you're feeling a certain way. And so uh, they designed like an entire wig to go on the actress that she could pull out the hair and it looked like her real hair. And I don't know, there's just, it's just like a crazy use of practical effects that I never even would have imagined. Like there were certain, like it was a real wig and then there were certain parts of the wig that she designed so that the hairs could really easily come out. And, you know, it's like body horror. It makes you feel crazy seeing it, but it's really effective. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, which is really cool. And yeah, so for this project, we immediately went to them and it was like, it was so much prep and it was just, it was, it was a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of prep with them, um, Mm -hmm. to make sure that everybody, you know, was on the same page and it would be ready in time for the shoot, which was, Mm -hmm. you know, a huge, they, they really, they, they pulled it together in like the most amazing way, which was cool. Yeah. It was really effective. I mean, even with your, the, how you were talking about before with, kind of the marriage of practical effects and digital effects and making that look as seamless is really difficult. I mean, even though we're pretty far along in technology these days, but even still, you know, there's some places that don't, or some films that don't do it as well. But I think that you guys really uh, did it really effectively because I wouldn't, couldn't have told, I did, could not tell with the eyes moving as they were that it was, that it wasn't practical, that it was actually yeah. It looked really, yeah. really well. It was really, yeah. really good. Oh, awesome. So kudos to that for you guys. Yeah. Sweet. I, I'm trying to do less visual effects and more uh, editing, but I think, you know, as an editor who who can do visual effects or at least knows a lot about it, I found it um, helpful. At least, like, compositing is, like, my favorite part of visual effects where you basically are doing a magic trick. You're, like, trying to make – you're not – necessarily creating these like giant fire effects or dragons or whatever you're just trying to make something look as real as possible and and hide whatever you know hide the the entrails you know behind it um which is which is really fun so yeah i i really like doing that kind of stuff yeah yeah you're heavy on visual effects i, I mean i watched a key kid gambled today mm-hmm. oh wow and, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's also quite heavy like on in visual effects so what advice you would you have for a director who haven't really like you know who doesn't have uh, any experience with working with visual effects, but you know could use this kind of enhancement on his project? Totally. Uh, well, thank you guys for watching that. By the way, that's like <laughs> super cool and uh, that's awesome. It's just about being realistic. You know, depending on the director, if if you have some technical know-how, I would recommend going on YouTube and just learning even just a little bit. You know, like Anna um, is the director that I respect the most, I would say, in terms of her ability to just like want to always learn about every department. And she always wants to learn, you know, how the special effects are being made or she wants to learn how the production designer is going to put fake wallpaper in the house or she wants to learn you know, how we're going to do these, this eye replacement. And so, um, yep. you know, I think it's really important to just be open to that kind mm-hmm. of stuff as a director. And, you know, I learned After Effects, you know, I, I learned it in film school, but in film school, we literally just watched YouTube tutorials. The, the, yeah. that, that's, 
it was just a, the, the teacher putting that on and, and the teacher was a good compositor, but she just, it was just easier to just watch like video copilot sure. or whatever tutorials. Riot. So I would recommend, <laughs> exactly. And so a film riot. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, I think, uh, you know, it, 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 I would recommend watching tutorials online, even something really simple, um, you know, can go a long way. Mm. Um, and then also just knowing how, you know, not to bite off too much. Like I've, I get hit up for visual effects a lot of the times where it's just like, they want to do like the craziest Marvel level VFX. And it's mm. like, you have to know what your limit is. I mean, that's just yeah. the thing with film in general is like, you always need to keep it simple, mm-hmm. you know, um, within your budget, all of that stuff. And, um, I think people, tend to like shoot a little too high sometimes with visual effects. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, there's cool stuff where it's like, you know, directors might be really into learning about David Fincher or Bong Joon Ho, who like their editors are really good at like split screen comping and like doing mm. simple things like that, mm-hmm. where you can combine the, uh, you know, two performances in one take. And, you know, that could be a cool entry point for a director to learn about visual effects. Cause I feel like that's like a more performance oriented thing for mm-hmm. actors on that aspect do you use morph cuts i i never really use the morph cut because i find that it like kind of glitches a little bit and then also yeah. if if you're doing an offline edit and then you bring it online like sometimes the morph doesn't quite translate um but i'll do stuff like that in mm-hmm. in either premiere or after effects um in appendage we tried doing it and actually we it didn't work out but i was in i was on another movie recently the short film that we we used a lot of fading and things where the audience isn't looking there and stuff to try mm-hmm, and combine mm-hmm, performances. Mm-hmm. But have you had luck with morph cuts? Actually, I had. Uh, for okay, the nice. short film I edited last year, I used them in quite a different way than you would expect, I think, because I didn't use it to connect like two different takes. We had a take where an actor like delivered a really good take, but he stumbled on one word. So what I did was just basically I removed like three frames from the middle of it and then use morph cuts to, to, to hide the jump cut. And it mm. actually worked. You, you can't That's say amazing. the difference. You can't say, the, you, you can't see any, any like, you know, this, this weird uh, thing that yeah. ha- sometimes happen when, the when morph. you use morph. morph yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. You, you yeah. can't see any morphing. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. The doc that I used, um, the doc that I used. That's not even like a right English way to speak. Um, in the doc that I worked on, I used it a couple times because, um, you know, people getting in front of a camera, especially within a documentary setting, when they're not used to being in front of the camera, people tend to speak not right. <laughs> and I'm speaking not right. So, and I use it in that way where I was basically kind of Frankensteining um, people. And sometimes mm-hmm. I couldn't cover the edits of those uh, conversations or those lines. And then so I would use the Morph cut. And it just in the same way that, that Peter used it, where it was just like just enough, where it was just like just one word or just a bridge enough, where it was quick enough that I could do it. Um, where, But even then, it was kind of something that, I, that the, the stars had aligned. And luckily, their face was in the same position or their <laughs> eyes were just a little yeah. bit off where the Morph cut would still be able to hide it so it wouldn't be if, if i had just let it a, a jump cut you could see it but with the morph it made it that much easier but also just it was yep. enough that i couldn't just do a little like dissolve in it either mm-hmm. but yeah other than beyond that though i don't know i haven't used it much more than than that or within my like paid work really 
I used it actually two weeks ago on a corporate video as well. Uh, and in this case, I could make it work for face. For so for for face it worked, but because the the girl had like a striped shirt, you could see the morphing on the shirt. So mm-hmm. what I did was actually like you know just without using After Effects, I just copied that layer and just use masking on that uh, on that lower part of the image. That's pretty and it worked. That's, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Isn't that amazing? You can just do all that inside yeah, Premiere. That's crazy. I mean, it's like it's crazy what you can do now. I didn't yeah. even know that Premiere had masking until like during the pandemic. I, I learned that on, on something I was working on and it's like, it's like such a game changer. It's insane. Yeah. yeah um, I, and now it, it, it also, it, or you can also track the mask too, which mm-hmm. I didn't realize. It's like, yeah. it's just crazy. Yeah. Although like a native uh, tracking in Premiere Pro, I find it not to be so good, to be honest. Like it's quite slow, but when you, when you like, use dynamic linking with After Effects and use Mocha plugin, right, in After Effects, then you're, like, there, is no, there are no limits to how, you know, how, how well you can track something. Exactly. I actually used, um, I did a commercial not too long ago, and I just did, like, a simple color pass on it where the footage was a little bit too dark, and I used, like, I just tracked the mat, like, I just brightened it up and then just tracked it as the car, like, zoomed out of frame, and obviously with that, because it's kind of so vague anyway, where you're kind of, if you're looking at it, you can pick it up or if you've seen the original footage. But yeah, beyond that, I would definitely just use like After Effects or something stronger than what Premiere has. But like you said, like Premiere is every iteration, it gets better and better where it's like, okay, well, now do I want to even use After Effects? But <laughs> yeah, I think exactly. that, I think that. That program is so deep anyway that I don't think there will ever be a time where we won't be yeah. able to use it. Not possible mm-hmm. to replace it, but yeah, but but yeah, the end goal is probably to like kind of like merge these program programs into one platform. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's already an ecosystem, so <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be pretty awesome. I think one of the strongest aspects of appendage is actually sound design. So oh, nice. I think it's really good. I think it's really good. Were you involved in that? like sound editing process as well. I mean, for example, like it's just this moment where, where Eric's character just turns his head and delivers the word original, right? And there, there, is, there is a slight whoosh in the pause <laughs> moment, right? Which like- There is, seems, there is. Yeah, yeah, and like things like that are brilliant. So I, I was wondering how, you know, to what extent you were involved in that process as well. Totally. I, I, we do a lot of sound design, even from the very first cut. Um, I think it's really important. We, I, I actually, um, Anna cut together like storyboards of the movie or she made storyboards of the movie before we made it. And we did one of the scenes we cut, we like took pictures and put it all into premiere and cut it together. And I collected a bunch of sound effects while doing that, that we ended up putting into the movie, including that whoosh and, and many other sound effects. And so a lot of it I've learned you know, after reading the script, it, it's kind of fun as the editor to go and start finding some sounds. Cause I feel like it's just, it's so hard to watch a rough cut where the sounds aren't there yeah. or, or you're not even just trying something. And so, um, that was something that we've been playing with early on. I think in the first or second cut, we added that, that whoosh. And then there's also a great sound effect that Anna had a great idea of when he like turns in his chair, like there's like a scraping noise of his chair on the ground and, <laughs> as like a way to, to indicate like to the, how the lead actress kind of feels about Eric's character. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was something we incorporated pretty early on too, but 
yeah, sound is like so huge. Um, I really try and like, you, you know, before a director ever sees a cut, you know, always making sure that everything feels smooth and there's no like harsh sound edits. I feel like sometimes that can happen even with dialogue and things like that. And sound is just, I really tried to do a lot of it in Premiere. And then we brought in Charles Moody, who did the sound design and, and the sound mix. And he, you know, built on top of a lot of the stuff that, mm-hmm. that we were working with, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sound is, is huge, especially in horror too. Mm-hmm. Like something mm-hmm. that, you know, Anna and I watched like Hereditary, which is like such a great example of how to use sound in, in a horror film um, to like enhance scares, but also just create a mood. And, um, and The Conjuring is another example, very different example, but another example that, that we watched just for the sound design in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of that stuff we were... Um, you know, trying to nail those scares also, uh, which can be so hard to do in the edit. Cause like so much of that is just in the sound and the pacing of the edit. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, do you have a loud boom sound, you know, during the jump scare or do you let, you know, just the diegetic noise work or, um, is it, you know, is it too cheap? Is it not cheap enough? <laughs> you know, there's just, there's so many, uh, there's so many delicate, delicate balances there. And so that was, that was something we went pretty back and forth on, I would say. So you just mentioned Hereditary and The Conjuring. What did you guys have in mind when you were thinking of uh, Appendage? Like what movies inspired you in your edit and maybe even like writing the script for that? I mean, Anna would have to <laughs> attest to the to the script phase. I think she was, I remember, you know, uh, but for the edit, we were, um, we looked at Beetlejuice, mm. um, which is like a fun sort of B horror, but also like a little elevated and, and very tasteful, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, we looked at that. We looked at the conjuring for the scares and the pace, um, and then hereditary for the, um, for the sound design as well. I'm trying to think what else we watched. I feel like that was the main, those were the main things I believe. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, but you know, Anna has another feature that, uh, is hopefully happening later this year. And so we'll, mm-hmm. we, we've been watching a lot of, um, horror films for that as well and and so you know we we i don't know we talk about this kind of stuff all the time and we're we're, we're constantly thinking about tone and and she's really good at, at nailing i think that balance of 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 fun but still scary kind of thing. <laughs> yeah will um, you edit the future a, i hope i hope so <laughs> we'll, we'll see we'll see uh nothing nothing is set in stone obviously yet but mm-hmm. i i certainly hope so that's, that's cool. great. That's cool. Um, which is cool, and then and then appendage is getting turned into a feature, also. Um, oh, which is which is very exciting, and so you know, I hope I hope to be part of it. We'll see, um, but yeah, Hulu is uh, turning it into an original film. Oh wow! That's Congratulations! Cool. I've heard about thank it. You, I mean, you. I, I've I've seen uh, Anna's interview with Sundance uh, host. Yeah, nice. That's, nice. I mean, it's it's very good for you guys. So I'm happy for you. <laughs> Really, like oh, it's, thank you. it's yeah, that's it's that's a dream. huge opportunity. So yeah, it's it's the dream, you know, to, to make a short, get it turned into a feature. So so that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although it's also something I guess she must have been ready for, because it's 
when you get this window of opportunity, when someone wants to take the project to another level, you have to have something in your drawer, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, she's always thinking, I think when she originally pitched this idea, because the uh, the movie was made with 20th Digital Studios um, and, and Hulu as a part of Bite Size Halloween. Mm -hmm. um, so it's on Hulu. And so I think when she was pitching ideas, they were like, encouraging her to come up with ideas that could be turned into a feature mm, okay. um and so this was the one that they picked and so she was mm -hmm, definitely mm -hmm. she had some some thoughts and then and then the people at the the producers that we work with at 20th digital studios also had some ideas about how to turn it into a feature and so it's mm -hmm. been a, a good collaboration mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay uh i wanted to touch on briefly on one specific shot from appendage uh, if I may, so oh, th yeah. there is this there is this insert shot, this cutaway to a knife when she, you know, spoiler <laughs> spoiler alert, uh, chops down, you know, the, the the thing, the appendage, right? So, and I was I was wondering, like, was it in the original footage or was it something that you added later or you you know figure out you, you would need something like that like that later? I'm just wondering because very often these cutaways are something that is being added. Uh, later in post, I mean, later in post, you know, there is decision. Okay, we we need s something extra to make this sequence work. So, how was it? They shot that on the day of. That was oh. in. It was mm -hmm. in the storyboards. Um, mm -hmm. It was definitely a shot where I think Anna was like. Cause I remember we were talking about tonally, like it's sort of suddenly it's like, oh, we're in a Quentin Tarantino movie, or it's like exactly you know, it, it has exactly. like that very mm -hmm. like it's like a tongue in cheek kind of shot. Mm -hmm. um and our cinematographer powell does a lot of uh horror features and so he was like so excited by that shot it was really funny um <laughs> yeah it was yeah. actually it was so hard i remember on set they there were so many and even looking through the footage there's so many takes of them just raising the knife oh it's out of focus raising the knife oh it looks fake it's, or it whatever moves around yeah it, it wibbles too much yeah, yeah I, I get it it's, this, that's why i was wondering because like this i can say that this shot is so well designed you know it's, it's so like so well f you can see that there is a lot of thinking going into that uh and like immediately when i saw it i was like tarantino <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah that's it's, funny it's, it's really good so we we definitely played around with like sh do should we cut this shot you know is it too much is it too like silly kind of thing mm -hmm, and I think mm -hmm. you know that was too a discussion stylistic. and then mm -hmm. exactly exactly but we we ended up keeping it you know because it's the appendage is saying at the time the appendage is saying like you should kill yourself and like all this like really intense stuff mm -hmm. and so it's like is it too much to cut to like this silly shot or is it like the perfect you know, humor that we need right now, you know, kind of thing. I think um, it was, so was perfect humor. Yeah, yeah it works perfectly. Yeah, yeah the, cool. the scene, like, it gives lives to the scene, to that moment, I think. So, yeah, well, oh, well nice. done on that. Like, congrats to both you and Anna uh, oh, and other people involved in that process, <laughs> like cinematographer. Yeah, like, like this shot really, like, you know, it, it really grabbed my attention. That's why I had to ask about it. Yeah. Oh man! Well, thank you for noticing. That's that's really cool. It would be weird if that wasn't in there, and just right, like, right. Having that kind of makes it that much. I, I would say flawless. It makes appendage flawless because it's like every oh. shot is like deliberate. Every shot has its place, and it makes it that much more enjoyable. Because um, I don't know, totally. even thinking about like, is this shot too silly? 
when you've got this <laughs> appendage growing out of the side of <laughs> yeah, well, your main character is kind of like, well, we've kind of gone it's this not, far, yeah. so it's not going to be. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. We could have, you know, maybe we could have even gone sillier. Who knows? But that's uh, that's funny. I, I love that. You know, Anna really planned every single shot in the movie. As an editor, I got, I mean, I don't want to say lucky, but I got, um, the job was a lot easier for me on this mm-hmm. movie because she just like storyboarded the hell out of it and she knew the tone <laughs> yeah. of every single shot and, and all of that stuff. And so it was really just like, you know, cutting it to the boards and then, you know, a little bit of moving things around and stuff. But it really came together so quickly because she had figured out all of these moments beforehand, which was which was really nice. That's um, great. And I'm glad that the the tone comes across. You know, a couple people have been like, oh, it doesn't know if it wants to be a horror film or a comedy film. And it's like, haven't you ever seen horror or comedy? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But anyways, it's uh, yeah, it's a fun it's a fun blend for sure. Yeah. Do, do you know Jeep Cummings? Uh, yes, I know his, uh, I've seen, um, Thunder Road, the yep. short and the, and the feature. He always says that, uh, make jokes in your films or people will make jokes of your films or something like that. <laughs> something along, <laughs> That's the, a along good, these yeah. lines. So I think I, like, I like any kind of genre, like, can only benefit from having jokes, you know, yeah, spread, exactly. spread throughout. Yeah. Exactly. Even like really serious films, like yeah. even just rewatching Hereditary, like there's there's some humor in that movie, and like I think it, uh, you know, you can't you can't. It's never good to be too serious, you know. Yeah. I think it's it's always yeah. important to have some levity. Yeah, I think actually the biggest drama, the biggest drama is like comes from how funny sometimes life is, right? So from these moments right. where where you where you don't know either you should cry or laugh. These are the, the the most dramatic moments, in my opinion. Yeah, the truth can be uh, so ridiculous that it's it's hilarious, and, and life can be very harsh, and all you can really do is laugh about it. And I guess yeah. it's nice when that's reflected in films. I'd like to ask you about uh, either you have something like imposter syndrome sometimes, but I guess it's better to <laughs> ask you either you have it appended sometimes. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> Do you want to see? No. <laughs> I think, of course, that, that was part of the reason why I was like, when Anna wrote the script, I was like, holy shit, like, this is so amazing. I relate to the, the movie so much, you know, because nowadays, I, you know, I don't know. It's just, I, you know, as someone with a lot of anxiety in general about social anxiety or professional anxiety or whatever, um, you know, we all have that voice in our head. And I certainly do of, of being like, why did you say that? Or why didn't you say that? Or mm-hmm. you could have done this better or whatever, you know? So, yes, I, I feel like I definitely have an appendage. Um, how about you guys? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I Just mean, like it to you, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you are. We were looking at your. IMDB and you know the the style and amount of work that you've done is so it runs the gamut you know you've got features of you know shorts of uh, narrative and you've got documentaries and then also episodic television um, and even with that I mean we could at this point I mean we could only dream of getting on stuff like that and considering where we are like you're obviously closer to ground zero of of those. Um, of that industry, whereas we're like 
off <laughs> in Europe, <laughs> which, uh, you know, it makes it a little bit more complicated, obviously, with us being remote. And as I'm getting older, I'm like, I don't every 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 time I'm working on a project and stuff, I'm always having imposter syndrome where it's like, OK, this is. This is going to get away from me, and then they're going to know. They're just going to know that I'm just not good <laughs> enough, and it, it doesn't even yeah. matter if it's like a corporate commercial or like some other thing, or you know, okay, we got to do a turnaround in three days. Can you figure this out? And it's just like, it doesn't even have to be that complicated. But even so, it's like my appendage is like, you fucking idiot! You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you didn't even go to school for this and stuff. And then uh, you know, but yeah. So I mean, I don't think you could be an well. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't think you can be an editor or even an artist without having an appendage. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if if yeah, you I don't, then it's like, yeah, how could you, you know, then your your first cut is done. You're like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. this is perfect. You know, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I watch the first cut, uh, with especially with like a little bit of distance, I'm just, my appendage is just, you know, my shirt is yeah. rattling. It's, yell- it's yeah. yelling at me so much being like, what the, yeah. what the hell is this? Yeah. Um, it's always good to keep that in check. You know, it's good. That, that's why I like the metaphor of the movie. It's not about getting rid of your appendage. It's about learning to live with it, you know, yeah. and, and learning yeah. that those thoughts aren't going to necessarily go away, but how can you manage them? And, yeah. you know, maybe you can, there's some good in, in that as well. Um, in like, you know, being really self-critical. I think sometimes, you know, I've worked with certain directors, especially when I was younger, where it's just like, and I think I even had, I, I, I did this where I just thought that everything I made was great and that it was just going you know, to be awesome and everyone was going to care and that, you know, all these choices were really important. And then, you know, you kind of realize that uh, it's good to be self-critical and it's good to, um, it could always be better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so having that appendage, the, the voice in your head uh, pushing you, I think can be, can be a positive thing. Having that appendage kind of makes you humble. Or it puts you in a mind state where it's like, okay, I'm not going to believe my own hype because somebody, uh, even we've talked about before, Peter and I, in other episodes where it's like, as an editor, you're trying to help somebody else realize their vision. And so all these Mm -hmm. things that you're like, this is the best thing ever. Well, how can you not realize my (laughs) genius on this? And it's like, well, just got to realize that this isn't your story. You're helping somebody else realize their story and then kind of taking the back seat to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, just, I feel like as an editor, you have to be so humble. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's just about like, you know, I think when I first got started out, even I, up until probably recently, like I would put together a first edit and be like, this is fucking good. You know, the director's <laughs> going to love it. It's going to be awesome. Like, you know, and then, you know, you get humbled every time when the director comes in and is like, okay, this is a good start, you know, let's, you know, rework this whole scene and that scene. And then, you know, and, and, you know, it's about enjoying the process and learning from what they're trying to do. And you learn, you know, the story they're trying to tell the style in which they're trying to tell it, the pacing, you know, I've learned so much about, you know, just like the way that Anna paces her movies versus, you know, I just worked with another director on a short film um, that also had Eric Roberts in it. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> totally different style of pacing, you know, compl- much slower, but like still, you know, great, but just very different. And so mm-hmm. it's just um, it's always humbling to to learn how to work with different people. And that's why I love editing, I think. So kind of going back to what not necessarily about being having an appendage, but, you know, like I was talking about before with all the credits that you have. Um, and you had kind of mentioned it before about like kind of learning 
from you know you working on one thing that's very different, and then you work on something else that's also different. And because you've worked on these documentaries, sh- short films, episodic television, how have those informed you as an editor, or how have they those different projects made you a better editor? The biggest thing I've taken away from that, because like you talk about like the episodic TV, I, I worked on a show for Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. uh, a game show during the pandemic. And every episode had to be, you know, a certain length. Mm-hmm. And the show was very regimented. It was almost like Mad Libs. Like, it was just like, you know, insert joke, insert, you know, this thing, insert mm-hmm. that thing. And and it really taught me cl- uh, clarity. Mm-hmm. Like, just being quick and swift with your edits. What does the audience need to know? And, mm-hmm. and um, how quickly or not quickly do we need to show that? And just, I think just it just really worked that muscle. I think the episodic really helped with that and the documentary, you know, really helped, I guess, with keeping the audience engaged, you know, Mm -hmm. in in a story. It can be hard sometimes in documentary. You have, uh, you know, I'm sure as you know, um, there can be, you know, parts of the story that are a little slower than others or or not slower. And it's just about using editing to keep it alive, you know. Mm dramatic cut to black or, or, you know, let's put a cool graphic in here or let's, you know, cut to this emotional moment here uh, where, you know, this isn't necessarily about this moment, but we can kind of link the two so that it feels um, emotional. You know, I don't know. Uh, I guess that's kind of a general answer, but the main thing I would say is clarity for (laughs) sure. Um, And, and that's just like, you know, when I first started editing, you know, when I was younger, I'd be like, let's leave the shot on, you know, let's leave this wide shot, this beautiful wide shot for 20 seconds, because it's just a beautiful (laughs) wide shot and the audience can kind of think about things or whatever. And now I'm like, you know, three seconds, the audience gets it. Let's Mm -hmm. cut on, let's move to the next thing, you know? And so I, I think, um, you know, I just watched, um, they did a screening of fast times at Ridgemont high Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles a couple nights ago and we went and, and uh, it was moderated by PT Anderson, which was really cool. And oh, cool. Wow. he was just talking about how uh, the movie is 93 minutes long, fast times at Richmond high. And it's like, there's like five or six different storylines being mm-hmm. inter interspline interspliced mm-hmm. throughout this thing. And it's a 93 minute movie. I mean, how is that even possible? It's just like, it moves exactly how, how as quick as it should. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> So yeah, I think that's that's the biggest thing I feel like uh, I've taken away. A lot, I feel like a lot of editors um, can struggle with with, uh, and I've definitely struggled with yeah, how long do mm-hmm, we pace mm-hmm, this out mm-hmm. for, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Pacing is huge, but I also think it's like uh, it's also a skill a director needs to know, right? Uh, a clarity, as as you said, like one of the concepts that I really enjoyed from. Uh, the book that I really like, uh, David Mamet's book on directing film. Oh yeah. The main the main concept in that book is actually uh, clarity, like with, with your shots. Like he he teaches like his students, like okay, what do we need to get from this moment to 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 progress the story? Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing you have to frame. That's the only thing you have to frame and intercut with another shot to get the story forward. You don't need, you know, extra uh, background action and things like that. The true filmmaking lies in uh, juxtaposition juxtaposition of shots. And for it to work, you have to have clarity in those images, right? 
Yeah, exactly. It's all about creating tension between two different things. And if you leave, leave a shot too long or, you know, you're cutting between, I think in the book, they use an example of like a student in their desk and then cutting to uh, a clock on the wall. I think yeah. it's been a yeah, long no, time since yeah. I've read that book. Yeah. And it's like, you know, cutting between those things and the pacing in which you do it and all of that stuff can really just add. So, you know, you know exactly that that student wants to get out of that classroom as quick as possible. And the time, you know, you, the way you cut it together, it could be that the time's going really slow or that the time is actually going really fast or, you know, it's kind of a, a fun example. Um, but, you know, cutting suddenly to a shot of like, the, you know, the window outside in the middle of that inner, inner exchange might not necessarily, you know, it might be a really beautiful shot, but it might have nothing to do with the story and it might distract from, from the tension that you're building and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to analyze, I guess, like how every single shot is going to uh, make the audience feel in these, in these moments. Here comes the knife shot again, like... Clarity, top level, right? Oh, yeah. oh the knife shot. The knife yeah, shot, yeah, once yeah. again. The yeah. knife shot, once again, yeah. Exactly, like, it's a perfect exactly. example. Yeah. I was just trying to think if there's anything we actually cut from the film, but I, I can't think of anything. Wow. I think it was, you know, it was a lot of, like, you know, when she's working at her desk, there mm -hmm. was a lot more stuff there of, like, what mm -hmm. is she drawing? Um, like, right before the appendage pops out, she's working at her desk, and she has that pain. But there's <laughs> there's a bunch of stuff on her. You know, she's drawing, like, different dresses, and she's screwing it up and all these things. And it's, like, maybe a first cut could have included that. But I think me and Anna kind of talked about it, and we were like, no, 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 let's compress that moment to get exactly <laughs> what you need. Um, you don't, We don't need to focus on the different types of dresses that she's drawing or whatever, because yeah. that just doesn't have to do with it, – it takes away from the tension. You guys saved so much time by not overshooting a lot of stuff as well, it sounds like, considering how yeah. how Anna had basically mapped it out. On top of also, uh, you know, being a writer-director, she's really, really good at, at logistics and knowing that mm. she's not going to bite off more than she could chew. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. a lot of it also is because it was storyboarded, which helped, you know, you can kind of see which shots you might not need or which ones are extraneous. And then because the special effects, we were doing that. We actually shot it in our house, the movie. Um, mm. This was the D DIT room. But um, wow. we have a very tiny house, and it was a struggle to shoot. And because of COVID, that really slowed us down. And mm. the special effects application took a really long time. And so it was like, you know, I think she, they, they got like 35 shots in that day. And they just like planned it to a T. And it's tricky because you know, 35 shots is a lot of shots, but, you know, people have gotten more, but with the special effects application and with the mm -hmm. COVID testing and with all this yeah. other stuff that we had to deal with, it was like, it was a stretch. We actually, we went an hour over that day, but, um, but it was, it was overall pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good. But then because I was editing it, I kind of, um, took a, a step away when we were shooting for the most part and was like playing around on After Effects with the roto brush and stuff while they were filming, um, <laughs> which was fun too. Just so like, I think it got the, uh, everybody really excited. Like Rachel, like the lead actress came in and she was like, Oh my God, like that looks so crazy. And I think, you know, the whole crew got really excited when that happened. And so, you know, it can be fun to edit and do visual effects and that kind of stuff while you're on set just for the morale. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Is is that is something cool. that you've done on other projects as well? Kind of like edit at the same time or on set uh, or close to uh, set? <laughs> I actually haven't 
But okay. uh, I think, you know, on Anna's feature, we were talking about if, if I get to do it, hopefully that would be yep. the idea is that I would be either editing on set or, or, or close to set. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember reading that Jim Cummings actually did that on yep. Thunder Road. Oh, His Thunder editor Road. was like in, in the, yeah, it was in the, um, Brian in the house. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's super helpful. And it's like a cool way to know if something's working like immediately. Mm-hmm. Just seeing a cut work, like suddenly just gets me like, oh, okay, the movie's going to work. It's going to yeah. be okay. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. there's something about that, even just putting it together or, or however, w- which way, like, I think it, it helps get the morale up for oh, everyone. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and uh, it helps everyone kind of understand, I think, the movie that you're trying to make, which is really cool. And um, we were also, we screened dailies at night, which was fun. It ended up just being me, Anna, and our cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a fun way to kind of look back and be like, okay, this could work with that or that mm-hmm. could work with this. And then Anna and Powell are talking about, um, you know, different ideas too. And it's just like a really fun way to, uh, yeah, to, I guess, celebrate the work that you're doing and also try mm-hmm. and get better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have to remember about it, but this, this moral aspect. It's really fun to, uh, yeah, to see everyone get excited because, you know, you have these grips and these gaffers and they work on so many different movies. And even mm-hmm. like, you know, we had a really great first assistant editor on this project and, you know, he works on so many different things. And it's like, how am I going to get, you know, him excited about this and how are, you know, as the producers and, and on as the director, like, how is the crew going to get excited about this? And so it's always fun to try and keep that in mind um, because these guys and gals just see so many different movies and it's just you can get jaded really fast. And so it's fun yeah. to try and, um, if you, you know, if you make the grip and gaffer laugh, then, then the scene's hopefully working. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even with, when I was working on that documentary, um, unfortunately we didn't have very good communication with our subjects. And so, and because of that, they weren't as invested. And so, you know, in a way, like once we showed them, like, here's the scenes that we're cutting together, then it was like, Oh, this is like an actual film. Like it's not just you guys talking to us about like we're going to make a movie. It's like, oh, this is going to actually become something. And then, you know, even with that, like you can see the change in people as they as they see like, oh, this is a reality or it's becoming a reality. That's like the coolest part of of like having digital and premiere and all this stuff is like you can quickly mm-hmm. put all that stuff together mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. people can see and and share it with them Mm -hmm. um but yeah that stuff is like it's so invaluable i don't know um well i i I couldn't imagine not having that you know especially with documentary because you know it's just there's a lot of filming i feel like and then you know these usually the subjects are don't know anything about movies or or they might not and and so it's uh i would imagine it'd be really helpful and these days the the workflows are just crazy like with the uh I don't know if you've heard about the camera to cloud workflow from Frame.io. Mm-hmm. That's we, something we I'm tried excited to use about. It. We tr- you tried to use it. That's awesome. We we, we couldn't afford it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, uh... it does require extra gear at this moment, at least, yeah. uh, that is not so cheap. The, but yeah. Exactly. The studio really wanted us to use it, and I totally get why, and uh, yeah. I think it's really cool. But we ended up getting a different kind of, it was, you needed like a special Teradek, I guess, to put on mm-hmm. the camera and not yes. that Teradek. There's exactly. only a few of them. And so it was really expensive, but we got a different Teradek that, um, just live, st- we, it just, it live streamed the video feed for on a zoom channel. Mm-hmm. Huh. So the, the studio heads could, could log in and see what was being mm-hmm. filmed. But what we, my favorite part was that the whole crew could just on their phone, have a monitor. Everyone's oh, yeah. just, 
went joined the Zoom channel. So that way the production designer now had her own monitor. The gaffer had his own monitor and we didn't need to rent. All we just needed to rent was a Teradek. And uh, that was was like the coolest unexpected thing that we didn't realize would ever happen. And now I want it on every set, basically. (laughs) That's amazing. I love this one. I love this one. Isn't that crazy? It's like so... Co- that was like a benefit of COVID, I would say. But um, yeah, it's like <laughs> kind of. so crazy. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, having that remote remote environment. Yeah, it was just crazy. It was very cool. I guess we, uh, we're almost ready to, to sum it up. I mean, I don't want to keep you to, for too long. So, But one question oh, no, no, to, that we always like to ask uh, is about your favorite filmmaking or editing book. If you have one, of course book yeah no pressure you know there's there's obviously in the blink of an eye but i'm gonna recommend a book that's not about filmmaking but it's about writing and Mm -hmm. i think it's been the most helpful it's a book by uh haruki murakami the japanese writer called uh what i talk about when i talk about running and it's a book about his like uh he runs a lot um and he also he obviously writes a lot of novels (laughs) And it's just about his, like, um, his, his schedule throughout the day and how he manages writing and how he lets go and, and goes on a run. He makes time for himself to do that every day. Um, and then he comes back to whatever writing he's doing or he does something else. But I guess it's like a really peaceful way of looking at the creative process. Mm-hmm. Um, not putting so much pressure on yourself to work, you know, 12 mm-hmm. hour, 12 grueling hours and, and not getting up or, or doing anything else. Mm-hmm. I guess it was just like a really peaceful way um, to look at it in a low pressure way. And also he talks about writing his first novel while he also had a, a full-time job. And so, you know, I think that can be really inspiring, you know, in general, because <clears throat> most of us have to work really, you know, we work on the side and then we do these editing jobs for free or, or, or whatever. And, and so it can be uh, a really hard, it can be a huge challenge mentally and physically to yeah. do both. And so I think, you know, he talks about it in a, in a helpful, nice way. That's perfect. So, I, I mean, I, I've, I really appreciate that you hesitated from that temptation of recommending in the blink of an eye, <laughs> because the blink of an eye, of course, is like a brilliant book. But also, it's the most obvious choice. So thank you of for course, not going course. with the obvious. <laughs> <laughs> so then, how can can I ask how how does that book <clears throat> that you just described how has that informed you and your work? I think for me, it's it's been about uh, learning when to step away and mm-hmm. like take time to just go on a run and like stop thinking about the editing choices I'm going to make or stop getting so, you know, anxious or about, you know, the fact, you know, I, I haven't had the, 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 I, I really look forward to hopefully editing a full narrative feature. You know, I've, I've yeah. co-edited a few documentary features, but I've never mm-hmm. um, done like a feature from the ground up and something yeah. that I, I hope to do really soon. Um, but I would imagine the anxiety of, it's not done yet. It's not done yet. You know, cause uh, you know, uh, it's going to take like 10 weeks to put together that first edit or, or however many weeks or, mm-hmm. um, and I think on this television show I did, I struggle with that where it was just like, it was so much footage. There's a lot of green screen, a lot of, uh, multicam stuff. And it's just, it's just, how could I wake up every day and not just go straight to my computer? 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, it's definitely something where I was like, no, like I should, you know, I'm trying to meditate in the morning or I'm trying to like, you know, stretch or do something for myself. Mm-hmm. And I think the book for me was like a nice way of looking at that. Or it taught me um, that it's okay to do that. Here's this novelist that I really respect. And, you know, he takes like an hour or two out of, you know, his day every single day to just go on a run and not think about anything other than just run and maybe listen to some music or something. And I guess um, it's been a, it's it's a nice, it's a peaceful way of looking at your work. Because I think we have a tendency... I try. I mean, I'm not like, a great runner. you know, uh, I, I, I do like a run walk, you know, kind of thing. Um, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I guess the typical, like not athletic editor or whatever, but <laughs> I think, um, you know, it's a nice way to get outside and, and do something for myself. And, um, and then I can come back to whatever I'm doing with fresh eyes, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's so hard when you have this insurmountable amount of work in front of you and it's just like, mm-hmm. how are you gonna tackle it? I think it was like Kurosawa who said, um, if you're climbing a mountain, you know, just look at uh, what's in front of you. Like, don't look up at the whole mm-hmm. mountain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, As editors, we excel at where we, there are many steps in it where we can't just be like thinking of it all at once like super focus on the whole thing at once where we got to be like, <clears throat> all right, I got to look at the footage. I got to see which is the best. And then after that, I'm going to do this and then this. And it's, it's got to be that step or else um, we're going to die. <laughs> yeah. Our heads will explode. <laughs> or else and, you're just you know, going to have like, yeah, it'll just, it'll, the universe will end. It'll just be, uh, it'll, it's game over. <laughs> yeah. So um, also, I think like the the best creative ideas actually come to you when you're on your on a break, usually not when you're actually mm-hmm. working on the timeline, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're having the time off and I don't know, just having a walk or uh, washing dishes or things like that, that's when your subconscious mind sometimes like you know like pushes the idea towards you and like exactly yeah. it's it's all about distance it's like suddenly you're looking at it with fresh eyes and it's like that's like the biggest thing as an editor like not getting too used to the way something is playing mm-hmm. yeah. or something like that like that can be such a challenge whether it's like okay should i show it to somebody so that they can tell me that it's pacing the, they don't understand the pacing or you know or is it just about taking a walk and taking you know if you try, can take the weekend off and not look at the cut or something like that and then come back to it with fresh eyes um that can you know, that's always something that can be really important to, to seeing it with a fresh perspective yeah. as opposed to like working on it every single day. And then it's mm-hmm. like, you don't even know where you are, or right. what's going on. And then, you know, I feel like I've done that. And then the scenes cut too fast. And then someone who's not familiar with the story can come in and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it can be, uh, yeah, that can, that, that can be an interesting uh, challenge. Yeah, that's something that I've, being too close to an edit, uh, definitely something like that where, it's interesting how you said perspective, but also we had talked with um, this with uh, Jacob Bricka, who's a big documentarian, and uh, you know, and he made a really good point about how, like you said, there's the the perspective, your perspective of you know stepping away and then coming back to it, and you have fresh eyes, but then also the perspective of you watching it with somebody else, and it, you have a different perspective of that because then you're kind of self-conscious about mm-hmm. what they're picking up on mm-hmm. and then yeah. you're also seeing it in that same perspective and you're like oh now i know this isn't working right <laughs> it's like those memes you've seen or i don't know if you guys have seen those memes of like 
you know, when you listen to Spotify on your own and it's like somebody like enjoying themselves and it's like when you're showing your friends your Spotify music and the person's like biting their nails, like, is my friend going to like this music? You know? Yeah. And it's sort of like that with editing. It's like when you show it to somebody, suddenly you're like, like you said, so self-conscious and you're like, shit, is it working? Is it not? Yeah. Or, or like it suddenly jumps out at you and you can read the room and you realize that it's not working or, or you realize that it is. So that can be really helpful. Um, but it's like, you know, you got to save those moments so you don't, you know, you can only show so many people. Right. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There was one thing also, um, which I don't know if you guys experienced this, I mean, with a short or any other, your other projects that you've worked on is that being cognizant of knowing the stuff that you cut out mm-hmm. and how it influences the story, um, and even though, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but within when I was doing the Holding These Moments documentary, I had to remind the director, like, okay, we've cut this scene, but we've cut out a bunch of stuff. And now we have to remember that that stuff isn't there anymore. And so it's like, you, we can't reference that. Like, the, the audience doesn't know that. We know that, but we can't. We have to cut it so that the audience knows what's going on without that thing that we just cut out and, like, having that perspective and, like, realizing that. Yeah, that that could be a really tricky balance of like, especially with with bigger projects where you have to cut mm-hmm. a whole scene, but then it's like, well, shit, we needed that nugget yeah. of you know when they said this, and so how are we gonna? Yeah, that that's that's a huge challenge. I feel like I think on on appendage now, I am remembering there was some dialogue between her and Eric that we did cut, but it was all it was it it didn't add to the story. It was like, it was like we realized that we could get to it faster if, yeah. if mm-hmm. we could cut it. it. It wasn't anything too revealing, but I feel like that could be a challenge. Um, like with what you're saying about having to cut a whole scene, then it's like, okay, do you like just use voiceover or do you repurpose those lines as voiceover or is there something else or I don't know. I mean, I guess yeah, it's, that's where it's it like leaving tricky. those those crumbs where it's like. We cut yeah. this out and there's a little remnant of it over here mm-hmm. that we – it makes sense to us because we know about the cutoff piece. But anybody else who mm-hmm. sees it is going to be like, why is this clown here now? And it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. You know, well, we know because <laughs> this happened. But it's like realizing that and then how, you know, how much that changes the story. Because then when you start cutting things out, you're like, okay, we're making it simpler, but now – does it make more sense this way or does it yeah. not make more sense or yeah is it too confusing yeah, yeah exactly yeah. all right so what's what's next for you well right now hopefully editing these features some features soon we'll see and then Fingers i'm going to direct crossed. a short uh exactly and then i'm going to direct a short film next month which will be fun um and then that's what's going on you know is it yours is it yours, <laughs> uh, is it yours short or yeah else. yeah we're, it, it's uh i wrote it and directed it anna is producing it and wow. uh so is matthew who also produced appendage it's like a similar crew as appendage except anna and i are i guess switching for just the time okay. being yeah um but um but yeah it'll then that'll be that'll be a fun one it's a wow. comedy which will be cool nice. that's awesome yeah. i can't wait to see it so where do we follow you uh instagram i would say i uh I, my instagram is i'll send it to you guys okay that was mm-hmm. awesome one of my favorite tips he gave was about using teradec uh, the mm-hmm. wireless uh, video feed transmitter mm-hmm. to actually feed zoom channels so that people everyone on the set can actually like access you know this zoom link and have a look at the camera feed 
How cool yeah, is yeah, that? Yeah, like their own little monitor. I yeah. never even thought that was a thing, but it makes perfect sense now. Yeah, 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 exactly. If I'm going to do a, a short film or something like that one day, I'm definitely using it. And I found it very inspiring how, you know, editing on set can mm-hmm. have an effect uh, on people's morals. Yeah, people seeing what they're actually working on and making it real, yeah. realizing that, oh, this is something that we're working on, yeah. really boosts the morale of, of people on the set. I thought that it was funny that we were like, so how's your relationship with the director? And he's like, oh, yeah, we're married. <laughs> I thought that was that was funny because we had all these questions that we were going to be like, oh, the synergy of your relationship, Moba. And it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, we're married for, for like four <laughs> years now. So I was like, OK, well, there goes all of those questions that we had. That was funny. And then I thought also, which was really neat, we usually ask the question of what is a good film book that you recommend or that inspires you? And um, he kind of flipped the script the script on us and was like, well, this isn't really a film or a film book, but it's about kind of an inspiration in the way that this person, this novelist, Japanese novelist writes. And so it wasn't necessarily a film book, but it was something that inspired him within his own work as a storyteller, which definitely, which really didn't have to be rooted in filmmaking at all, which I thought Mm. was very interesting. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this aspect of synergy, right? In the mm-hmm. first episode of the podcast, actually, and I think once again, like you know, writers are mm-hmm. you know that 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 like uh, researching their craft, what they do, mm-hmm. is actually a great synergy for any editor. I really believe yeah. that. So hearing him recommending that book, I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely, like yeah. you know, that that's something that can have a huge effect on on how you work as an editor. I mean, we'll probably put it, the link in in the description too so of course yeah look, we will look for that also i hope you enjoyed yeah. the episode everybody and as always shoot Until edit next time shoot. <laughs> <laughs> shoot the dead like there is no tomorrow <laughs> Thanks for taking time out of your busy day. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you've listened to this on. Your reviews help more people discover this show. You can also follow us on Instagram. Just search for at cut to reveal and tell your friends. And if you have any questions or comments, send them to podcast at cut to the point.com. And who knows, maybe we'll use them in the future episodes. And as we say around here, until the next time, shoot and edit like there is no tomorrow. Thank you.